0: Kauffman is a sleepy town on the outskirts of Dallas, but what should have been a tight-knit community was torn apart when three innocent people, including the county's top prosecutors, were gunned down in two incidents. A sinister message to police indicated more assassinations were planned. Was this the work of a white supremacist prison gang, or was the terror closer than they could have imagined? This week's episode is the Kauffman County DA Murders.
1: So you're taking this week's episode pretty personally.
0: You know what? I do. I I think that lawyers have a bad enough rap in the media, you know, in the old Allen. Stereotypes, McBeal. the butt of jokes. <laughs> Definitely. There's a ton of lawyer jokes, which I do love lawyer jokes. Hey, there's
1: also a ton of blonde jokes. I guess that's I feel true. like we get a bad rap too. <laughs> Same. Especially if you're a blonde lawyer. Forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs>
0: But I think that my favorite quote and the reason why I have a full size Abraham Lincoln portrait tattooed upon my body yes, you do is because of Abraham Lincoln's quote vow to be honest in all things. And if you can't be an honest lawyer, be honest without being a lawyer. And I think that's very important and I take that seriously. So part of the reason, besides that it's a hilarious tattoo and it looks great, (laughs) but part of it is because I do subscribe to that notion and I think that it's important to be honest when you're a lawyer and not, I don't know, steal a bunch of stuff from work like some people.
1: Yeah. It's also real important if you're an elected official to not be a psychopath.
0: Uh, A violent, angry psychopath. I would agree with that. That's
1: also very important. Have you ever stolen anything from a job? From a job, nothing of consequence. Yeah, no. just like you write something on a post-it note or whatever. I mean, I don't even know if I've done that. Honestly, probably not from a job. I mean, pins or something like that. Yeah, like you, it's in your purse or whatever. Right, yeah. yeah. What about you?
0: No, I can't think of anything. Although, the t- writing, talking about writing on a post-it note reminded me when I worked at a mortgage insurance place. There was a lady there who was just a nightmare of a co-worker. She wore no shoes ever, and she had oh, God. The nar- and no socks. She oh. had the gnarliest feet I've ever seen. For every potluck, she would volunteer to bring deviled eggs that she would then shell and devil at her desk. <laughs> what? And she worked in the reception That's area. That's insane. So you that just, is the mark of an
1: insane person. You come
0: in, and there's just a woman with a bowl of mayonnaise. And it just
1: smells like... Eggs, which smells like fart. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just a farty mayonnaise environment you're working in. One time she
0: came in and she was late and we said, hi, why are you late? And she said, the ceiling in the bathroom fell on Jeremy when he was on the toilet.
1: <laughs> well, that's a ex- good reason. Very honestly. unfortunate.
0: And then at the potluck when we had leftover ice cream one time, we go in to get the I, I went in to get some ice cream, you know, after the fact. They just leave it in the refrigerator, in uh-huh. the freezer or whatever. There was a post-it note. Oh, gosh. <laughs> on the ice cream in her handwriting that said... I licked the lid. What? Yep, she left. Who does that? She was a she was a menace. She was a That's shoeless fiend.
1: Legitimate sociopath behavior.
0: At least she left a note, I guess.
1: <laughs> but why?
0: A I whole mean, a whole gallon. If you don't appreciate, maybe she was
1: joking. This no, had to be a joke. No,
0: because I said, "Did you leave this note?" And she was like, "I did. I licked that lid. It's Dutch chocolate. It was." Bluebell Dutch chocolate, a full gallon of that Bluebell is Bell Dutch chocolate. That's vomitous. A, that's an act of terrorism,
1: frankly. <laughs> Honestly, it Considering is. Considering sometimes Bluebell is very rare and scarce. Yeah, it can be. But my God, what a what a sad time it was when sick, Bluebell was uh, for like those few years. The listeria that we didn't craze, have I still it. Ate it. For those oh, of you who don't know, in Texas.
0: Bluebell ice cream is the best ice cream that's ever been made ever so by any person and ever been tasted by any man, woman or child. Do not at us because we will not back down about that. Absolutely not. And for a while it was infected accidentally with listeria. <laughs> yes it was. Twice and twice. People actually. they would go to the store and hoard the infected tubs just mm-hmm. so that they could have Bluebell while it was taken off it the shelves. It is
1: like gold. Oh, God. Who was it that pulled them out of that situation? The, the billionaire, the Texas billionaire? Oh, I don't know. Oh, man. I just remember all of a sudden Bluebell was back. Yeah. It was back were, because of him. They were giving
0: out little cups of Bluebell, and there was like riots in Victory Park in <laughs> Dallas because they, you just had to line it. up. Oh, God. I love So Bluebell. good.
1: What's your favorite flavor? Oh, God. I love strawberry. Oh, me too. I love strawberry. F- it's always my favorite since I've been I a used
0: kid. to love cookies and cream, but I can't
1: have it due to food allergies. But if you eat Bluebell cookies oh, and cream, there's. In the cookie?
0: Oh, there's legitimate chunks of
1: Oreos in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, That's it's why it's so, so good. fucking good. God, it's so cookies good. Cookies and cream is also, if I'm doing top five strawberry cookies and cream, I also just like plain vanilla. I'll yeah. get in a mood blue, where Bell. I'm blue only Bluebell vanilla Homemade though. with the dots oh, over the. God. Yeah. So good, it's so good. Bluebell, please sponsor us, <laughs>
0: or just send us some. Or ice cream. yeah, you know
1: what? I'll talk about Bluebell for free. All I'll day just go long. to the store after this
0: and <laughs> eat a bunch of Bluebell. The next time you guys are going to see me, wedding cake also oh, very yeah. good.
1: It, cake flavored anything? Yeah, that's true. Nightmare. Well, I'm Heather. I'm Christy. and today we are talking about the Kaufman County DA murders. This happened. About 45 minutes from where we're sitting right now, but it made national headlines and was news across the country because it was essentially a serial killer that was going after prosecutors.
0: Yes, it was one of the rare times where it was a targeted prosecutorial assassination. Mm-hmm. You do see more larger political figures, sure. but it is a lot rarer when you see an elected D.A. gun down like this. Yes.
1: So let's get into it. 30 miles east of Dallas, Texas, sits Kaufman County, a predominantly white, rural area with a population of 100,000 and change. For the most part, nothing major goes on in these small, sleepy towns. Neighbors are friendly, law enforcement is respected, and everyone generally feels safe. But on January 31st, 2013, all of that changed. you ever been to Kaufman County or out in East Texas? So Kaufman County is made up of, I think, like 50 small towns or something yeah. like that. I have been to several within Kaufman County. Kaufman, the city of Kaufman, where this actually happened, where the the first murder we'll talk about happened, only has a population of about 7,000. So it's super small. I don't know if I've been to Kaufman, but I've been to many towns within Kaufman County. What about you?
0: Uh, well, I do. I love East Texas. Yes, same. uh my, I've ridden a motorcycle out there and... Oh, I bet that's pretty. ...going go through there, and also Lake... See, what is it called? The lake that's out there off of Gun Barrel City? Oh, Cedar Creek Lake. Cedar Creek. Oh,
1: yes, I have been to Cedar Creek Lake I threw Creek my, my friend many, off a jet times. ski at
0: Cedar Creek Lake, nice. which is a very white trash thing to say. <laughs> I've hit- also...
1: I watched fireworks on a boat in Cedar oh, Creek so Lake. Oh, that sounds
0: nice. Cedar Creek Lake's really nice. It is a very nice place. Uh lake. there's also if you go it's not it's a little bit further north, but if you're going a little actually it's pretty much if you hit Kaufman County, keep going east, you'll hit Tyler, mm-hmm. home of the big taco. As my friend, the very southern Tyler native would say, it's over uh next to the Titty Flop off of I20. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the big How t- big is the taco? Oh, my oh I'm God. talking about we're talking about food. This right? is a food stand. Okay. It's called the Big Taco. <laughs> well when you talk about a big taco next, next to, to a titty, titty flop, flop, you're gonna get some questions. So
0: first of all, I've had a big taco from the Big Taco. It's the size of a paper plate. Whoa. Like a full size paper plate. Big. And there was a couch in front of the titty flop. I thought that was very funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sitting outside? Just in the parked in the handicap spot. Tyler, Texas also known for its roses. Yes, yes. Very pretty. It's a beautiful place. So East, East Texas, Texas is very pretty. East
0: Texas is behind the piney curtains, what they say. It's a beautiful place. It's like Christy said, very rural, mm-hmm. very friendly, these tiny towns, everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. And then They're so sounding sh-
1: real country right now. I'm
0: feeling it. <laughs> I had I touched I got on it. I got on, a, I got on you one. You got of, on Tyler, Texas. Start talking about the big taco. I can't stop myself. <laughs> But it's, it's this, the kind of place, I think it's really important for the listeners to understand, oh, well, a DA got murdered or whatever. No, this was like a guy that was friends
1: with everybody, yeah.
0: that was, ma- you know, everybody knew him. In from a the- town
1: of 7,000. It's tiny. Some people, that's their high school population. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's a, large- a very small town. Mark Hasse, a special prosecutor who had a reputation for being no-nonsense and tough on crime, was walking up to the Kaufman County Courthouse when a gunman wearing a mask and dressed in all black ran up to him and shot and killed him. This is like ultimate fear as an attorney. Sure, as anybody, but well, yes. Yeah, because yeah, you have the potential of pissing a lot of people off. Also, everybody knows where you work. Yeah, that's very scary. Two eyewitnesses, Linda Bush and Kelly Blaine, saw the horror unfold. They said they saw the man run up to Mark while brandishing a gun and shove him. Instinctively, Mark shoved back before the gunman pressed the gun to the side of his neck. According to Linda, Mark pleaded for his life before the masked assailant pulled the trigger. He then jumped into a car that had been waiting for him and sped away. They said this all happened so fast. Oh yeah, that these everybody's kind of like, oh, it's the it's morning, we're ready. Broad go to work. daylight too. Yeah. Everybody's on their way to work. This was very ballsy, just a very normal, brazen. Normal day. Yeah linda a former police officer immediately noticed the car didn't have a license plate she jumped into her own to follow it but was unsuccessful and it got away she returned to the scene of the crime where mark lay dying and administered cpr while they waited for the ambulance despite linda's heroic efforts mark's injuries were far too severe and he passed away in the ambulance on the way to the hospital Mark Hassey had moved to Kaufman County in 2010 to work with District Attorney Mike McClelland as his chief felony prosecutor. He had graduated from SMU Law School in 1981 and immediately had gone to work for the Dallas DA's office, where he worked under Henry Wade, who famously prosecuted Jack Ruby for the murder of Lee Harvey Oswald.
0: Yeah, my, Mark Hassey was well-respected and well-known in yeah. the DFW area. He was known as being, like they said, tough on crime. He did his job, was— quintessential DA that followed the law that said you know what's right is right we don't do favors for people that's you know and even I mean that's that tells you something about Henry Wade that Jack Ruby was kind of this unorganized sure. crime underground crime boss that would say all right hey maybe we could uh, work something out and Henry Wade said no you shot a guy right
1: absolutely not We're... Henry Wade was also one of the prosecutors on Roe v. Wade well there you go yes and
0: also shout out to
1: SMU I went to the same law school yeah what are y'all? Mustangs. That's right. Yep. After a while, Hasse left to go into private practice, but ultimately decided he belonged on the side of the prosecution and decided to move to Kaufman to work with McClellan. He had a reputation for taking on the toughest cases and specialized in organized crime. And that shows you, too, what kind of attorney it is. Yeah, it's that's not, a... I'll
0: just kick back in private practice. It's like, no, let's get these people. I'm going to do the hardest type of trial law possible. And that is, I have full
1: respect for, mm-hmm. for district attorneys. That is a hard job. Yes, it is. Thankless job. Very. Within hours of Mark being gunned down, his boss, District Attorney Mike McClelland, gave an emotional and somber press conference in which he said...
0: I hope that the people that did this are watching because we're very confident that we're going to find you. We're going to pull you out of whatever hole you're in, and we're going to bring you back and let the people of Kaufman County prosecute you to the fullest
1: extent of the law. Rumors had begun to circulate that the white supremacist prison gang, the Aryan Brotherhood of Texas, was behind the slang, and a massive manhunt began that included the FBI. Texas Rangers Department of Public Safety and the local sheriff's department
0: yeah this is this kind of goes to show what huge what a huge deal this was that this is such a hugely brazen act that someone jumps out of a car attacks an
1: elected official and runs off and we're not gonna let this stand it's something that doesn't happen anywhere but especially in a small town like this, yes. this was they were not prepared for something of this magnitude.
0: It was the, you can see it if you go back. I went back and watched a lot of just news pieces when it when it was all mm-hmm. unfolding. And you can just see that the anchors just say uh, the they, DA was gunned. They're down. not
1: prepared for this. No, not at all. While Kaufman County is made up of sleepy rural towns, it also happens to have a rampant methamphetamine problem. The meth trade in Texas is primarily controlled by white supremacy prison gangs, such as the Aryan Circle and the Aryan Brotherhood of Texas, or ABT. The ABT had recently been all over the news after a federal indictment charged certain members with drug trafficking and murder. Mark Hassey was one of the prosecutors that had indicted them, and authorities immediately feared his death was retaliation from the gang. Who else would be brazen enough to shoot a prosecutor outside of the courthouse in broad daylight?
0: And that's kind of a, obviously a Sherlock Holmesian, what do we say, Occam's Razor, like the most yeah. obvious. That's a, a huge organization. They're very vicious. That trial had just
1: happened days before. Yep. So it made sense, for sure. It was a good theory. Fears were intensified due to the fact that at the time of Hasse's killing, other law enforcement officials were being murdered by white supremacist gangs. Two months prior to the murder of Marquassy, Evan Abel, a member of the prison gang Two One One crew, had murdered the head of the Colorado prison system. What if you joined the Two One One crew because you really liked Three Eleven and you were just confused? Oh
0: no. <laughs> They're like, I wasn't good enough for 3.11, but maybe I can get into
1: 2.11. Amber is the color of my energy. I'd love to join your gang. Uh,
0: I always worried that I wouldn't be cool enough to be led into a gang. When I was a kid, the Bloods and the Crips
1: were like... Did you want to be one of them? I didn't want to be one of them. You just wanted to be asked? Yeah, it's yeah. just like
0: drugs. I didn't ever want to do drugs. I just want to get offered. No you wanted one somebody did. to offer them no to No one you. did.
1: It's very rude. Oh, I'm sorry that no one ever asked you to be a Blood or a Crip. I don't think you're... They probably took a look at you and said, You know what? I don't think she's I don't think she's right for us. The same reason why no one offered me drugs, oh. I look like a narc. I got a narc face. You do have a narc face. Hey. You don't have a narc <laughs> I face. I do though. i do. I do weak. Two days after he committed this crime, Abel was pulled over on a Texas highway and shot and wounded the officer. A police chase ensued, which ended with Abel being killed in a shootout. 125 miles from Kaufman. So there you go. You, you're connecting the dots. Yep. There's a lot of evidence leading you down this trail. But it turned out Abel wasn't even in Texas at the time of Hassey's murder, causing authorities to question if they were on the right path. According to Bill Worski, the special prosecutor who had been assigned to the case, The bottom line for those gangs is
0: money, and killing a prosecutor, killing a police officer is just bad for business. That's true. What I mean, did, ch- what do they
1: I mean, they gain revenge, yeah. but that's the buck stops there for them. Well, and a
0: lot of times if especially the rural uh counties outside of Dallas County, so North Texas, like Denison and Sherman, there's a lot of meth trade going up there because mm-hmm. it's going from the border all the way up through Oklahoma. They wanna keep the heat off of them. So sure. killing a prosecutor, that puts you right officer, in the spotlight. Oh,
1: they they're hunting you down. They're gonna come kick your doors yeah. in. So you don't want to do something like Hell that. Hell no. With the ABT seeming to be a dead end, the investigation shifted focus. Some thought the Mexican drug cartel was involved. But Kaufman County Sheriff David Burns and Mike McClellan believed it was one of their own, a fellow elected official with a penchant for violence and revenge. All right. This
0: son of a bitch. <laughs> he he really is. It's one of those when we've we've researched a lot of cases. This is a 40-something episode. I have been disgusted. I've been saddened. This guy just pisses me off. I just hate him. I just really, and I am a Buddhist. I try not to hate anybody. I try to let the universe wash over me and push away. Th- but fuck this guy <laughs> right between his eyes. I yeah. just cannot. Sorry for the curse words for my former teachers. <laughs> um, we're on episode 46, and now you're apologizing <laughs>
1: for curse words. I will not apologize. Fuck Eric Williams right between the eyes. He's awful. All right, let's get into he it. He really is. Eric Williams grew up in Azle, Texas. He was a Boy Scout, member of his high school band, and attended TCU where he was in the ROTC. His wife Kim had also been raised in Dallas and was called Barbie by her friends. She attended SMU and UT Arlington. They met in the late 1990s and married in 98. Williams attended Texas Wesleyan School of Law, where he graduated in 1999 and was elected Justice of the Peace in Kaufman County in 2011.
0: Yeah, it looks like... So Texas Westland is now a Texas A&M law school. It got bought out by the A&M system. And it seems like from the time he graduated until when he became J.P. in Kaufman County, was he was in private practice. He hung his own shingle, as we say. Mm. And then it uh, turns out in Texas, just a fun fact, you don't actually have to be a lawyer to be a Justice of the Peace. Oh,
1: you can just have gone... You can be anything?
0: Yeah, there's a very famous Justice of the Peace in North Texas, North of Dallas in Collin County, who got elected when he was 18 years old, Dang. and he's still JP. And apparently, he's good for him. He's super dedicated. Everybody loves him, but that is not always necessarily the case with JPs because you don't have to be a lawyer. Sometimes they can
1: ignore rules, ignore the law. Well, how convenient. Depending on the source, some folks said Williams was a hardworking justice of the peace who had a disdain for bureaucracy and a passion for justice. Others considered him a loose cannon who was not fond of following rules, procedures, or protocol. If you just look at his little fat face, you can tell he thinks that the world does not,
0: that the world owes him everything and he doesn't owe the world anything. He is a big fat idiot.
1: (laughs) Copyright. (laughs) I would like to copyright that. I think (laughs) we should. In 2012, Hasse and McClelland had prosecuted Williams, who had only been serving as a justice of the peace for six months, for stealing $600 worth of computer equipment from a county office after security cameras caught him in the act. Williams was shown on security footage, removing three monitors from the county IT department. When confronted by sheriffs, they found two. One in its box in his office, and one covered in clothing in the back seat of his truck. They never found the third.
0: This is where you can sort of trace everything back to, and it's the most senseless, pathetic thing. It's just arrogance.
1: Yeah. It's arrogance and he had a beef with the IT guy pretty much and felt like he he thought he was, was smarter he was going to go around him to get what he wanted. Well, Correct. guess what? It cost you everything. When questioned, Williams was evasive and said he couldn't remember taking a third. The one in his truck was supposedly for a jailhouse monitoring system. He complained that he had to scrounge for supplies and do all the office IT himself even though the county had a purchasing office and full IT staff.
0: Yeah, supposedly he had beef with the IT department and then beef with purchasing, where he, he just would like just beef. buy his own shit and then send them receipts or whatever instead of going through the actual... He just didn't like rules. He didn't think that they applied to him. And no. he thought that he should be able to do it. Well, I'm a judge. I do whatever I want he to do. He was super
1: cocky, arrogant, yeah. thought he could circumvent everything, and felt like he was the smartest man in the room at all times. Williams claimed he was innocent. Prosecutors offered him a deal plead guilty to a misdemeanor, and avoid jail time. But Williams refused. He was a member of Mensa and considered himself to be brilliant. He was also extremely arrogant, and because he was representing himself, couldn't even fathom that he would be found guilty. Rumor has it that there are walls in certain
0: DA's offices. It'll have a, a picture of the offender, and it'll have a, a one note that says what they were offered and then what that the, they got from the jury, and you can bet it's almost always exactly what happened in this case. They offered him a misdemeanor
1: and a fine, and then what happened? Oh, so they're saying always take the deal. Pretty much. because the <laughs> We're going to give you something much better than what you're going to get away with. Well,
0: exactly. And what it is is risk mitigation. And if they say, we'll offer you to plead to a misdemeanor, or we're going to charge you with a felony, and we have
1: yeah. video footage of you doing it. And a misdemeanor, in the I mean, it's on your record, but in the long run... I don't know. Would he have been stripped of his title if no, he had a misdemeanor? No,
0: he probably would have. It technically is a crime of moral turpitude. So, under like the Texas bar rules, he would probably have gotten a sanction. He may have even gotten like a public sanction. In the back of the magazine that they send to all the lawyers in Texas, it has a list of like people who did crimes and like, what they did and what their punishment is or mm-hmm. whatever. But I, I don't think if he would have pled to a misdemeanor, I don't think it would have been an auto disbarment. So,
1: it was just pure arrogance that he said. Oh, I'm smarter than you. I can beat this. Well, he just just thought that the rules didn't apply. Yeah. Well, he thought he was not going to be found guilty, but a jury in Kaufman County disagreed and found him guilty of, one, burglary of a building, and two, theft over $500 and under $1,500 by a public servant and was sentenced to two years in state jail and 80 hours of community service. However, his confinement was suspended and he was placed on two years of community supervision and ordered to pay a fine of $5,000 and over $500 in court costs. He appealed his conviction, but it was affirmed by the Court of
0: Appeals. This is what we call a state jail felony, and it's the kind of felony that will land you in a state jail, and it's... that's aptly named. Yep. And (laughs) you don't want to be convicted of that. It's very bad. And he could have easily avoided it. Exactly. And then I read his appeal to the Dallas Court of Appeals, and what he did, and I was telling you this uh, off there, is that he represented himself. Yeah. And some of the things that he was appealing on, some of the perceived wrongs that had happened to him, he failed to object to them during
1: the trial. Because he wasn't smart enough to know he should have?
0: Correct. So if you don't object during the trial, then you haven't preserved the error for appeal. So mm-hmm. then you basically have... Consented by being in the courtroom, the shit goes down, you don't raise your hand, then whenever you go on appeal, they're like, well, you can't just raise this now. Right. Certain things I think you can, but that's getting way into the weeds. But it just tells you, he's, from the beginning, he's, he, all of this is his own doing. Oh, for sure. He was an idiot, he stole the computers, on camera, like a fucking idiot. He was an idiot because he represented himself. Mm -hmm. Another Abraham Lincoln quote, a man who represents himself has a fool for a client and a fool for a lawyer. Ooh, I like that.
1: I mean, it's just like, get help. You... And it's all because he was so cocky and arrogant and thought he was smarter than everyone. And he was it. The rules didn't apply. He was going to if he wanted this, he was going to get what he wanted. Uh, Christy.
0: Yeah. He was in Mensa.
1: <laughs> OK, I would love to see. And I'm not for our listeners that are Mensa members. I'm sorry is, that this man was in your midst. It is a very honorable accolade. I would like to know, and I'm sure I could easily Google this. What the requirements are? Do you just take a test, and if you get a high enough score, you're in Mensa? I think so. Gonna Wasn't there? Ta- I'm going to take it. There's
0: a Seinfeld. I'm not going to get in, but I'm going to take it. <laughs> Me too. Let's take Mensa test. Okay. Okay. There's a Seinfeld episode where Elaine takes it for George, right? And she spills chili all over it, or whatever the test. Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> that's really good.
0: Oh, it's, it's a. Is it chili or is it a? The I thought it was from Bob. Gyro. Babu's- yeah, it's like from Babu's shop. It's yeah. the same episode with Babu. Yeah. Sorry, Seinfeld reference.
1: Don't ever apologize for a <laughs> Seinfeld reference.
0: All right, so this dipshit fails to object. His conviction is affirmed. And what happens when you're a lawyer who is convicted of a state jail felony and your conviction is finalized by the, Texas court, or the Dallas Court of Appeals? You get
1: disbarred. Bum, bum. And he was stripped of his title of justice, of the peace, and his law license was revoked. So everything he's worked for this whole time just got taken away in one fell swoop because of his
0: stupidity. arrogance and yeah. stupidity. yeah he's going down a, he's going down a path right now. yeah. so what do you do? You've been convicted of a state jail felony at least your sentence is suspended. you're not going to jail but and you've been disbarred.
1: you've been fired as justice of the peace.
0: What a normal
1: rational a normal person would do is you know probably what? take some time take some and time. get their life back together. You, you you are sad, you roll around on your segue. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a Segway. We'll get to that. Well during the trial, Hassie and McClellan had presented a character testimony by Kaufman defense attorney Dennis Jones about another incident that took place in another court case involving Williams in 2010. Jones testified that regarding the prosecuting attorney, he had overheard Williams say, I'm going to kill him, his wife, his kids. I'm going to burn his house down. I'm going to stab him. That's what I imagine he sounds like if you look at his crazy face. He does look like he would be at full throttle all the time. Yeah. Williams had a violent track record and a general history of making threats when he became angry or wanted to control others. Not a cool thing to do if you're a lawyer. Or just a person. He threatened to kill other attorneys over perceived insults and injuries. He also threatened to kill his wife, Kim. According to police reports, he had fired a gun at or near Kim, which she believed he had done intentionally. Williams has also threatened a former girlfriend with a gun in an effort to keep her from walking away from him. He just sounds like a real Jim. Yeah. And had pointed a gun at a couple in a church parking lot where he was trying to catch his dog. I want to know that story. God. Not to mention, he had threatened to hit his elderly and ill father in law during a dispute over cell phone charges. So, this guy will threaten to kill you over the drop of a hat. Literally, his. Which kind of, honestly, kind of loses its. What's the word I'm looking for? Like its gravitas. Yeah, it loses its impact when you'll threaten to kill
0: everyone. It's the boy who cried wolf, honestly. Well, it sounds like. What is. Who is. What's that character? Oh, that's. God, that's a Jeff Dunham character that he always says, I'll kill you. I don't know that character. <laughs> just looked at me like I was such <laughs> No, an idiot. I was
1: trying to think of who Jeff Dunham was. He's the guy that does the puppets. He's puppet oh, guys. yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. He yeah. has characters. Okay. It. But I, I just Oh, wanna... it's the old man. It's the old no, man puppet, No, I think puppet, it's the, it? the
0: skeleton. The skeleton. Oh, okay. Because I'll kill you. Yeah, yeah. But I think that this guy is... He's just got a hair pin. Like, he's just... He's a fucking psychopath. He's on the edge. Yeah. He lost his dog, and he's waving a gun at people yeah. at church. He
1: got overcharged on some AT&T? roaming fees and threatened to kill his father-in-law. He's yelling at
0: people over freaking He's crazy. data,
1: in the data. Oh, my God. Well, following Williams' conviction, Mike McClelland and his wife, Cynthia, a well-respected psychiatric nurse at Terrell State Hospital, had told friends they were concerned about their safety. They knew Williams was unhinged and capable of doing something crazy in his vengeful wrath. For those of you who do not live in Texas...
0: Terrell is a code word for, first of all, there's an outlet mall there, but saying somebody had to go to Terrell, that's the main psychiatric facility, yeah. and it's uh, well-respected.
1: It is. And she would know if someone was unhinged. She would. Professionally speaking, I think she, she would she know. she would have, yes. The McClellans believed Williams had been the one to murder my Cassie. His political and legal career had been destroyed by his conviction and he publicly blamed Hassey McClellan for ruining his life due to a quote political assassination. When Sheriff Burns went to question Williams at his house about the murder of Mike Hassey, he answered the door wearing a sling on his arm, claiming he had just had shoulder surgery. This didn't sit right with Burns, but Williams' wife provided an alibi for him and the gunshot residue test on his hands came back clean. With nothing more to go on, Burns left the Williams home. He's, this is a psychopath because he's,
0: first of all, planning all of this, and second of all, trying to cover up his tracks
1: already. Mm-hmm. Over the next few weeks, suspicions about Williams continued to grow. The press was questioning him about Hassie's murder, and he seemed more than happy to roll out on his Segway to his driveway for interviews. You've got to see this footage. We'll put a picture up <laughs> it's on the Instagram. wild.
0: He's literally, he was well known for just rolling through the neighborhood on his damn Segway. Have you ever been on a Segway? Hell no. Them things are death traps. You
1: ride on those scooters, which are more than death traps. I More love- death traps than a Segway. I love a lime scooter, bird scooter. Those things are scary as hell. You... Uh, there is footage of me trying to ride one, and it did not go well. I double-scooted once where I was driving, and someone was behind me on the back of the scoot. Oh. Double-scooted.
0: You just recently saw a scooter tragedy, so did. that's why you're upset. But they...
1: I feel as if... What I saw is just the tip of the iceberg of what is capable on a scooter. <laughs> you're an anti-scootite. Everyone, everyone should have to wear helmets on those damn they things. Should. They legally down, you have to. Well, I've never once seen someone wear no. Nobody does.
0: But you're. It says it in the app. Also in San Diego, if you go scooting without a helmet, they will immediately give you a $250 ticket. Good. Like, they watch. They're saving your life. I think so. Well, he rolls out on his Segway. His, his fat ass rolls out on his Segway to his driveway and gives an interview that goes. My heart goes out to all the families that have been affected by this tragedy and especially to the people that work at the courthouse. I worked there for several years while I was going to law school so I know that it's a tight-knit family and that this is devastating to him. But nobody was buying it. Bill Worski said, it didn't look genuine to me. He looked smug, he looked like he was smirking, and he just looked like a psychopath. 100%.
1: Well, he's on a segue. Yeah, yeah. He's smirking about a murder on a, on a segway. Yeah, that's that's how you paint a psychopath. He was a nut. Everyone suspected he was guilty, but there just wasn't any evidence to arrest him. And then the unthinkable happened. On March 30th, 2013, at approximately 6.40 in the morning, Cynthia McClellan heard a knock at her front door. Looking out the window, she saw a police officer dressed in uniform and wearing a SWAT helmet. Everyone was still on high alert, and security measures had been at an all-time high. Cynthia assumed this was a routine check they had come to expect. This was the only reason she opened the door. When Cynthia opened the door, she was met with a hail of gunfire. Using high-velocity ammunition, the perpetrator shot Cynthia between five and eight times, including several shots to her chest and abdomen. After Cynthia fell to the floor, the perpetrator fired a shot that entered the top of her head and exited under her chin. The gunman then proceeded to shoot her husband, Mike, at least 10 times, including several shots to his neck, chest, and abdomen. The McClellans' bodies were discovered after their friends Skeet and Leah Phillips were unable to get in contact with them. The Phillips' son, C.J. Tomlinson, happened to be a Dallas police officer, and they asked if he would go check on them. This interview with this guy is so So sad. sad. Yeah, and he testified at the trial, too, and he gets very choked up. Because and his like parents a- and them were best friends. They mm-hmm. went on vacations together. They did all sorts of family stuff together. And you know how you just have that feeling something isn't right? Yeah. This is about we, to happen. We, we, we haven't heard from Mike and Sidney. Yeah. This is, this is, and everyone assumed that he had been responsible for Hassie's murder. I'm very emotional about this from a
0: just from being a lawyer, and it's these two men who are just trying to do their jobs. Yeah, and even more horrifying,
1: Cynthia didn't do anything. No, she had zero to do with this. 65 year old psychiatric nurse who loved to quilt, loved her grandchildren and her children and her family, and they were asleep. They got the knock on the door. They were asleep. They their bodies were. They were still in their PJs. their PJs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, can you imagine? You're just woken up suddenly and before you even know what's happening. It's unthinkable. Yeah. Well,
0: and they the the other really hard thing about all this research was that between the time Mark Cassie was killed and Mike and Cynthia were killed, Mike did so many interviews. Mm-hmm. That because this was such a huge case, there's hours and hours of footage of him. One of the journalists that's interviewing him came back after his murder and said, I just talked to him. Like, I talked to him this week. Mm-hmm. And so there's all this footage and, and he, yeah,
1: it's tough. It is. Well, Tomlinson and his parents went to the home and found the front door unlocked. He said as soon as he opened it, he knew something was not right. There they discovered a grisly scene. A few feet inside the door, Cynthia lay in a pool of dried blood. Skeet Phillips discovered Mike's body in the next room. They immediately called Sheriff Burns, who responded with deputies and Texas Rangers. And
0: you know that Sheriff Burns' stomach just dropped because this
1: was a fear that they had. He's, I mean, you that's the thing. They all knew Williams was responsible, but they couldn't arrest him. Cause and they so no it was just a ticking time bomb. It's, yeah. it's one of those things like we talked about in the last episode with stalkers of, well, we can't do anything until they do something. Well, by the time they do something, you've got two more dead bodies. Yeah, the grand the, Somebody's grandparents mm-hmm. have been gunned down yeah. in their house. The day after the McClellans were brutally murdered, Crime Stoppers received a threatening email that read in
0: part, Do we have your full attention now? Your act of good faith will result in no other attacks
1: this week. We are not unreasonable, but we will not be stopped. It went on to say that unless certain Kaufman County judges resigned, the killings would continue. Whoever wrote the email also had knowledge of the crimes that only the killer would know, such as the type of ammunition that was used. Police now feared they had a serial killer on their hands, and elected officials throughout Kaufman County were placed under law enforcement protection at both home and work. Judges began wearing bulletproof vests, and everyone was armed. This
0: makes me so mad, again, as not, not just as a lawyer, but as a citizen, that the reason why we have courts is because... We don't have Wild West justice right. where you just go and have a gun battle
1: with this somebody. This was very Wild West. Yes,
0: and you, and it's that's the whole point of our whole entire justice system. And people who are judges, people who are DAs, dedicate their lives to, like I said, a thankless job. That this is your ultimate fear, mm-hmm. and here it is coming true. My
1: dad was a judge. Yeah, and a gunman entered the Tarrant County courthouse when he was a judge there. Yeah, and luckily was taken down before anything could happen but i mean this is a fear this is a, a fear of mine everywhere that you'll just be sitting anywhere and someone enters with a gun yeah and sprays the entire room to
0: bits my mom was on a jury for a pretty long trial and the defendant's boyfriend came in with a gun in a briefcase and he put it on the metal during detector. the trial he well uh, like entering the courthouse you know at the courthouse you got to put your shit on a metal detector Mm -hmm. and an x-ray machine he put the gun well that's stupid well yeah of course and immediately (laughs) this is the best part they're taking him down and he's screaming, I'm going to kill the judge and the oh. jury and just confessing to what he was wow. going to do uh, And out your mom loud. was on that jury? Yeah, she's on jury. That's terrifying. As my mom says, we gave that bitch 25 years. It was like a <laughs> kidnapping uh, robbery thing. But yeah, it's, it's scary. Luckily, that guy was stupid.
1: Yeah. Luckily, there were... We're not always that lucky. Uh, metal detectors in place, too. Absolutely. Surveillance cameras had been set up around town in hopes of capturing any suspicious activity. When footage of the McClellan's neighborhood was checked, police saw a mysterious white Crown Victoria in the area at the time of the murders. Sheriff Burns immediately knew that Mike and Cynthia's murders were connected to Mike Hassey's, and was convinced more than ever that Eric Williams was responsible. Police wanted to question him further. However, by this time, he had hired lawyers that prevented them from being able to talk to him. But a break came for the authorities when they received an email from Williams' attorneys saying they no longer represented him. Yeah, probably because they're like, this this guy's crazy as fuck. We're yeah. not b- putting up with this dude's shit. He, he does seem like the type that would argue with a
0: defense yes, plan. Yes, absolutely. But also it's... He probably fired them, honestly. True. Well, in the interview with the sheriff, just said... We got that letter, and we looked at each other, like, "Oh yeah, now." Yeah. And they kind of knew he would talk, cause he's that kind. He's so anytime, arrogant. Anytime the uh, media would go up to talk to him, he rolled out on his mm-hmm. damn Segway and was happy to talk to everybody. It's like
1: a serial killer going back to like, the scene of the crime taunting. to relive it. Yes, yes. to talk, because they think they're smarter and they can't be caught. Yeah. Well, police were immediately sent to his home with hopes of questioning him further. Perhaps it was arrogance or just plain stupidity. But surprisingly, Williams welcomed the police into his home and allowed them to take a look at his gun collection. Wah, wah. Good God, this is class A narcissism, where you think that you know what? I'm just gonna let these guys in. They can take a look at my guns, the ones I used to commit all these murders. But it'll be fine. No. It's not going it's, it's not gonna come back to bite me in the ass. They'll never figure it out. Well, soon after, the police obtained a search warrant and upon further investigation found the title to a white Crown Victoria, more guns and gun sights, a device that uses infrared tech to find heat signatures up to 900 feet away, and the ID numbers for the Crime Stoppers email written on a notepad by the phone. That damning piece of evidence is uh, hilariously stupid because... When you
0: send an email to Crime Stoppers, it says, "Thank you for emailing Crime Stoppers. To confirm your email was received, your code is 12345." And he wrote the code down. That's so
1: ridiculous. What I, what's the need for that? I got to make I, sure my threatening email went through. <laughs> I got to make sure. Because well, if it didn't, is he going to call and complain? He's going to open up a tech support <laughs> ticket with these guys. Uh, he's going to solve the tech cuz he's in Mensa. So he knows. Oh, that's true. Authorities also received a tip from a friend of Williams, saying that he had been asked by Williams to rent a storage facility for him so it wouldn't be in Williams' name. When police searched the unit, they discovered the White Crown Victoria, more guns, body armor, and crossbows. Come on. A search of Williams' computer also allowed police to confirm that the Crime Stoppers' email was sent from Williams' computer using the Onion Router, or TOR, an online network that enables anonymous communication. And
0: if you're smart enough, and you know, and I think we'll do a dark web episode or yes. like a Silk Road episode. Mm-hmm. If you do it properly, you can actually be anonymous, I believe. But
1: this was a person. I guess who... that's not a question on the Mensa test. Wah, wah. <laughs> can you got him? Can you use Tor? Yeah. The police now had a plethora of evidence incriminating Williams, and on April 18th, 2013, they arrested he and his wife, who they now knew had been the driver of the getaway car, for the murders of Mark Hasse and Mike and Cynthia McClellan. Yeah,
0: in addition, I think they found his hand, his fingerprints inside mm-hmm. the Crown Vic. and On the Crown Vic. There was a couple, the, we'll get to it. some of the evidence, but some of the gun pieces
1: were missing, but for the most part. And he had GSR in his hands, it too. It was so. pretty open and shut. Yeah, kind of. On December first, two 2014, the trial began. Prosecutors had decided to try Williams only for the murder of Cynthia McClellan as they felt she would be seen as a completely innocent victim by the court and was the strongest case for getting a conviction.
0: Well, also, if you have three murders, then you can sort of have several bites at the apple. So say that they tried to try this case and something happened and the jury said, oh, well, we just couldn't believe X piece of evidence. Then if you tried him for Mark Cassie's murder, then you would leave that out or include it or
1: whatever. Mm -hmm. Williams pled not guilty, which is crazy. Well, I mean, you have to, otherwise you... Yeah, I guess. You go to jail. Or you plead... Guilty by reason of insanity or something. He doesn't think he's crazy. Well, yeah. Well, he pled not guilty to capital murder, and the state was seeking the death penalty. Ironically, the prosecution's star witness was Eric's wife, Kim, who agreed to testify without a plea agreement in hopes that by coming clean, the court would show some mercy on her. Honestly, this woman, she did some stupid stuff, but she's a saint right now. Well... Truly, I think the the case would
0: not have been as strong against him. Oh, for sure. Without her literally walking the jury through step-by-step what they
1: did. Kim claimed that she had been addicted to painkillers and under her husband's control, but that she had participated in the murders under her own free will. She testified that Eric felt like Hasse and McClelland had set him up back in 2012, and at the time... She believed him. Yeah, she said she was on a lot of morphine, too. You'd have to be to put up with his
0: dumb shit. That's true. To n- willingly let your man roll you're, around he, on that You're like, segue. oh, you're
1: out on that segway again?
0: <laughs> yeah, all right. she's just
1: going to chill on the couch. On the stand, Kim laid out in grave detail her husband's maniacal plans. He had been keeping a hit list of people he felt had wronged him and often talked about the movie Tombstone a man dressed in black took revenge on his enemies. I have to talk about Tombstone. It's so good.
0: First of all, okay, I'm shocked that you said that. Really? Uh, Well, first of all, I went to the gun show this weekend. That's... Yes, you did. <laughs> in Mesquite, Texas, I went to the gun show because I wondered that because is the most Texas thing you've done in a really long time. Well, you know, I also went to Texas Roadhouse afterwards and ate a steak while I wrote about it. Well, in my journal, this is a very Texas day. And I listened to George Strait. Oh, but at the gun show, I wanted to see how easy it was because he shot Mike and Cynthia with an AR-15, which is high-velocity ammunition. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see how easy it was to get it. Turns out, I could have gotten an AR-15 for five hundred dollars. Wow. I uh, did not. Thank you. Uh, I don't think I, I don't trust myself with anything like that but i was curious too why he was obsessed with this movie tombstone and then it's at, very wild wild west at the gun show there were these booths that were selling t-shirts one of them said i love guns and coffee with the starbucks logo mm-hmm. very strange but there were multiple tombstone t-shirts really i had no idea that this was movie fairly i would think obscure movie it's not like i think it was pretty i mean it was popular at the time had a it's great not, cast it's not titanic right it's not jurassic park it's not this long lasting epic movie it, it was a good movie at the time and whatever mm-hmm. but it wasn't like this huge oh it's going to be on afi's 100 best movies list or whatever but there were so many tombstone t-shirts particularly that said i'm your huckleberry yeah which i then went down a rabbit hole to figure out what that meant apparently means I'm your man for the job. Mm-hmm. It's from an English, the 1600s in England. Very popular quote it, from the movie. You would get Huckleberry whenever you completed a task or won like a jousting match. And so then in the ni- the 1800s, uh, the cowboys would say that of like, I'm your man yeah. for the job. I'll bring home the bacon, whatever. But there were a lot of. And so they said Eric Williams saw himself as this vigilante mm-hmm. tombstone kind of guy. Yeah. I watched about two minutes of it on YouTube, and it seemed like a bunch of celebrities in costumes.
1: <laughs> well, and I did not believe any of it. It's—I think it and was Billy Zane. I think it was a bigger movie than than you might be remembering. I think we're going to get a lot of messages about. I'm not about saying Tombstone. Tombstone wasn't
0: bad. I will say Billy Zane's playing the same character he played in Titanic oh. in that movie. He's like, "Oh, honey,
1: Land. look at that. that
0: Zoolander." <laughs> oh yeah, but Kurt Russell's in Tombstone, so I'd be into mm-hmm, watching it, mm-hmm. but. Uh, anyhow, so I just was shocked. Apparently, gun owner culture... Yeah, it's a big thing. Tombstone
1: is a very big thing. On the day Eric was convicted in 2012 for stealing the computer equipment, Eric came home and told Kim, Mark is going to be first. He then immediately went on to the popular public record search tool LexisNexis and looked up where Mark Hasse lived. Eric also bought a Mercury Sable from an online ad and used it to surveil Mark Hasse's neighborhood. So this was premeditated for years. Yeah, for sure. Eric wanted to send a message by gunning down Mark outside of the courthouse, which is very Tombstone. Yeah. And convinced Kim to drive. Kim said she agreed to drive to the murder of Mark Hasse because...
0: I was so drugged up and I so believed Eric. His anger was my anger. That's really sad. I mean, you see she, her on the she stand... She was the victim...
1: In in her own right, too.
0: Yeah. I mean, she was also a willing participant. But at the time, I think, and especially if he was a known abuser and a known, like,
1: uh, flying off the handle, angry, emotionally abusive. I'm sure he was very abusive to her. On the day of the murder, Kim said that she and her husband were both excited and happy. Wearing a tactical vest, a black mask and army boots, and carrying two handguns, Williams confronted Hassie on the sidewalk in front of the courthouse as Hassey was walking to his office. After a brief encounter, during which Williams shoved Hassey and Hassie cried, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Williams shot Hassie four to five times with one handgun. He fired several of these shots after Hassey was lying on the sidewalk.
0: And that's why I don't think Eric Williams is at all remorseful of his actions. Oh, I think gosh, he thought no. he was ser-
1: serving justice. Yeah. After emptying that gun, Williams pulled out a second handgun, and continued firing at hassey he also fired shots into the air as he walked away from hassey hoping to create panic and allow himself time to get away he then climbed into the sable and made his getaway in the car kim was driving when the prosecutor asked kim what was eric's mood on the way home from the storage unit
0: kim replied happy quiet satisfied Mm. it was very the testimony is available on youtube the trial there was cameras were allowed in the courtroom and local news stations were playing clips of it so they're still available on youtube from the local fox and nbc and wfa the abc affiliate and man she laid it out she it's was chilling. completely clear-headed and she just says he was happy when yeah. we drove back yeah
1: after mark hassey was killed eric was allegedly on his computer and the television all the time watching the news coverage about the murder. Kim said that even when the news said he was a suspect, he was arrogant and acted like nothing happened. Yeah, he was very into how much coverage this was getting. Despite this, he became paranoid that the police had bugged their house. So when planning the next murder after Hasse, he would use a deck of cards when he wanted to talk. He would hold up a king card to represent Mike McClellan and a queen card to represent a woman named Early Wiley a Kaufman judge that was also on his list.
0: Yeah, they said that he was so paranoid he would only talk to Kim in the, about the murders and stuff in their pantry, in their
1: kitchen pantry, because he thought that wasn't bugged. While telling Kim about his plans to kill Mike McClellan, Eric had stated that Cynthia would also have to die because she would be a witness. He described her murder as collateral damage. The plan was to knock on the McClellan's door, dressed as a police officer, and when Cynthia answered, he would tell her there was a gunman in the area. Kim testified that Eric had been in a great mood the night before the murders and gleefully modeled different outfits he could wear to fool Cynthia. He eventually decided on a bulletproof vest that had sheriff on the front of it, an army-like helmet that said SWAT, and goggles. This is
0: horrifying that he could he get his is hands getting on, off on it. Well, and then he could get his hands yep. on something that says sheriff or SWAT when mm-hmm. he is neither sheriff nor SWAT. All right. But yeah, he's obviously. Way premeditated and very gleeful. I mean, just
1: enjoying this. Yes. Like, he's sick. He's very sick. Kim confessed that she drove Eric to the McClellans in the early morning hours that Easter weekend and waited in the car while he went up to the house. When he came back to the car, he didn't give Kim the gruesome details about Mike, but did tell her that he had to shoot Cynthia an extra time on the top of the head because she wouldn't stop moaning. And this was all testimony, and it was included not only in the trial, but also in the appeal. Tra- I mean, this is straight from the trial, all these details. In a courtroom filled with the victim's family members, Kim testified that after killing the McClellans, Williams was happy, and that later that day his mood was joyous as he grilled steaks at his in law's house to celebrate his accomplishment. That evening, He disposed of the weapons he had used to kill Hassie.
0: Can you imagine? He's grilling burgers, feeling great about himself. He is awful. That's a disconnect that few few have, and (sighs) thank God. Just no remorse. Yeah.
1: No remorse at all. Kim further testified that after these three murders, Eric had planned to kill two more Kaufman County judges, but his arrest foiled his plans. One of the victims on his hit list was Judge Glenn Ashworth. Whom he had contemplated murdering since 2007. He told Kim he was prissy and that he, quote, got mad all the time at their, quote, lunch buddies. <laughs> Okay. What a little... That's such a bitchy little thing to be mad about. He's just
0: like this angry little man. He is.
1: He's just a bitter little angry potato man.
0: His face looks like this... It makes me think of the song Bullfrog in Love from The Office. (laughs) Because he kind of looks like a fat little frog face. But you can just tell he just was slighted by everybody. And that was back in 2007. He got arrested in 2012 Mm -hmm. for the computer stealing. I mean, he was... Unhinged for a long, oh, for a very long time. time, and
1: I'm sure well beyond even even that. He's a bitter man that holds grudges. He takes everything as a personal affront, and the only way he's going to be happy is if he feels like he's exacted revenge on his enemies he lives out his tombstone fantasy you will never be kurt russell eric williams (laughs) no definitely not or val kilmer no oh man back in the day see that was what was so great about tombstone it was everybody was in their heyday of being super hot kurt russell's still and that yeah (laughs) he sure is (laughs) Williams wanted to make Judge Ashworth's murder particularly gruesome in retaliation for him having shared negative information about Eric with the DA's office in 2012. The plan was to go to Ashworth's home after the Super Bowl, shoot him with the crossbow, gorge out his stomach, and then fill it with the homemade napalm Eric had been making and storing in pickle jars. This man is unhinged. I can't... My neighbors... Pickle stuff and bring it over to us. Oh, that's so nice. They made some delicious pickles. They made us some jam recently.
0: Oh, they make jam.
1: I have never heard of someone homemade, pickling napalm. Homemade napalm. That's What wild. kind of
0: a person? And I'm sorry, a I'm not married. Person.
1: Maybe I don't understand
0: the bonds of um, holy matrimony. Mm. But if your husband's like, I'm going to make some
1: napalm in a pickle I jar. I have some questions for Tommy if he wanted to also start making some uh, napalm. What yeah. are you going to
0: do with that, buddy?
1: Yeah. Williams also intended to kill Judge Early Wiley, who had declined to approve his excessive bills in 2008 because he felt she had, quote, screwed him over for money. So he got
0: first he started with Mark Hasse, then the McClellans, and it was beyond anything having to do with his trial.
1: Oh, yeah. Like it was at this just, point, it's just... You could just... bump into him on the street. You're going on the list. Yeah. D- you won't accept my uh, return of these khaki pants, The Gap. You're going on yeah, the list. Yeah, he was... I mean, he's screaming at the old man for a cell phone yeah, bill. anything. Was, it yeah. didn't take much. While all of the evidence presented in the trial was circumstantial, it was airtight. During his closing argument, Prosecutor Bill Worski pleaded with the jury to recognize that Eric Williams was a calculating and vindictive monster, and even if sent to prison without parole, he would still pose a dangerous threat to society. He said Williams had been stopped momentarily and urged the jury to convict Eric Williams to stop him for good by convicting him and sentencing him to death. I have no doubt that he would have killed people in prison. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, like you said, somebody bumps into him or takes his tray or something, more lives would be
1: lost. Mm Mm-hmm. Defense attorney Maxwell Peck tried his best, but with such damning testimony from Williams' wife, all he could do was ask the jury for mercy and to not sentence his client to death. Let me get a try. It only took jurors an hour and a half to deliberate, and on December 4, 2014, they unanimously returned a guilty verdict, and Eric Williams was convicted of capital murder. On December 17, 2014, he was sentenced to die by lethal injection.
0: An hour and a half on capital murder is very short. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a very short jury deliberation. What would the typical time days, be? Days. Days. Yeah. Days. Usually. Yeah.
0: Just because they're usually...
1: You're going you have- over all the evidence. Is this someone's life that you're talking about taking away? I really think that Kim's testimony just... Yeah. She literally said, here's how we did it. Yeah. If it hadn't been for her, he might not have even been convicted. You never know. Yeah. Dallas County Judge Mike Snipe, who presided over the case, said... At the end of the day, you murdered a little
0: old lady. And you would have murdered two other innocent people if you had had the opportunity. That puts you right up there with Charles Manson, Jeffrey Dahmer, and Richard Speck. That is a quote, man. He and that... Judge Snipe was not fucking around. And there's there's footage
1: of him saying that that was on the news. That's amazing. Yeah. At the sentencing... A family representative delivered a statement from Mark Hassey's mother that said,
0: My son never saw his death coming, but you do, and I hope you suffer every day
1: waiting for the execution you so richly deserve. Very well put. Mm -hmm. The children of the McClellans let him have it. One by one, they spoke about how they would not be able to forgive the defendant— and one of the daughters summed it up nicely by saying, Fuck you, Eric Williams. Which I think was, I hope, thunderous applause broke out in the courtroom. I mean,
0: of course he just sat there.
1: Yes. All throughout the victim impact statements, Williams kept his head down. Yeah. They said that throughout the trial, he had that smug smirk on his mm-hmm. face the entire time. And then when it got to this point, he didn't have that smirk anymore. Nope, he, was- and he just. But while he kept his head down, Kim looked locked eyes with, Every single one that was delivering a statement. Wow. Yeah. She also ended up pleading guilty and was sentenced to 40 years in prison. The protocol in any death penalty case is for the defendant to get an automatic appeal. Williams' appeal alleged that the prosecutors did not have sufficient evidence to convict him of the crime. The court disagreed, listing a litany of evidence, including his fingerprints on the Crown Victoria, the evidence that he sent the Crime Stoppers note, and his wife's testimony. I mean, that's pretty much the most damning evidence of all. Yeah. He also challenged the inclusion of some jurors on the panel. There are two types of strikes, for cause and peremptory. when selecting a jury. A for cause strike is used when a prospective juror is prejudiced or biased and should be taken out of consideration. A peremptory strike can be used for any reason that is not discriminatory, such as based on race, religion, or gender. Williams appeal alleged that some jurors were allowed on the jury when they should have been struck for cause. Yeah, so usually a
0: for cause strike is when somebody and I think we talked about this before mm-hmm. when you said, "Oh, I would never convict anybody of death." Right. Well, then you're like, "Okay, well you can't be unbiased."
1: Right. So you, you- can't be on a death penalty case because we our side can't. I ha, our side has no chance, and yeah. both sides have to have a chance. Yeah,
0: and if you can't read, write, or speak English, that's a strike for cost, cause. Right. You have to be able to read the jury instruction. You have to be able to evaluate the evidence. Well, a for-cause strike can be, oh, somebody was giving me the stink eye, or she picked up her purse like she was fixing to leave, and she obviously looks really impatient, so maybe the defense would think, okay, let's just convict this guy so I can get out of here. Mm-hmm, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Or if you see a for-cause... What you're wearing... Well, yeah, as long as it's not for, like, race, like you said, race, religion, gender. Like, we don't want a bunch of women on the jury. Mm-hmm. But you could say, oh, a third grade teacher, she may be more uh, sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should strike. You know, you, you can use kind of that type of, I guess, technically that's stereotyping to say, it's profiling. oh, a, a religious person would be more forgiving. So maybe we want them versus, uh, you know, something else. So An heathen atheist. the monsters that want to send everyone to the death <laughs> death penalty. But so anyway, so that was part of his argument. One of part of his many counts was several different jurors. They had notes from their voir dire where they were asking questions. And the juror said, you know, things that they allege potentially could have been
1: strikes for cause, but that
0: the the judge snipe uh, overruled their objections.
1: One of the jurors had indicated a five year sentence for intentional murder would not be appropriate. This potentially could have allowed Williams attorney to strike that juror for cause. However, the prosecutor asked whether the juror could, quote, keep an open mind. And then when the juror insisted that he could, the possibility to strike him for cause faded.
0: Yeah. So you'll notice that if you're ever in jury duty and they say, oh, do you like say it's a car accident case, they say, oh, have you ever been to a chiropractor? And you say, I don't know. I think chiropractors are they are frauds, which I don't. By the way, I go to chiropractors and I love them. But some people don't. Some people don't believe in them, and then you'll hear one side say, "Oh, well, do you think that no matter what, you would think any medical bills from a chiropractor would be unreasonable?" Well, no, you know, I think I could evaluate it and be fair. But if they say, "Yeah, absolutely, I think that no matter what, chiropractors aren't real doctors and doesn't count," and if I'm on this jury, I'll ignore all. Right. Them. Well, you're being biased, so then they're allowed to strike you for cause. Basically, so in this case, you don't have an open mind. Correct, and I, and you'll always notice in jury duty, the prosecutor will say. Do you think that you can be uh, unbiased? And, and mm-hmm. that's for this exact purpose. So when it comes up on appeal, they can say, no, no, no. The
1: juror said he could keep an open right. mind. So he did it. So this is worse. He knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Another argument he made on appeal was to challenge his jury form arguing that the jury should have been given two forms, one for each alternate pleading in his charge of capital murder. So in Texas, when you go back to deliberate, you get what's called a jury charge. Mm -hmm. And it's a piece of paper
0: that lists out the elements of the crime and then questions. Do you think beyond a reasonable doubt they did this? Yes or no. And his argument was because there's multiple ways, which we'll get into it, that it should have been two separate pieces of paper. So what would what how would that have
1: benefited him? Exactly. <laughs> okay, so there really isn't no, one. Mean, he's just uh, it, pulling a, anything he that might stick. Yeah. The spaghetti. What did we call it last time? The spaghetti sp- process. The spaghetti, yeah, the, throw it to the wall. A defendant can be convicted of capital murder in Texas if he intentionally commits the murder in the course of committing or attempting to commit aggravated kidnapping, burglary, robbery, aggravated sexual assault, arson, obstruction or retaliation, or terroristic threat.
0: So in this case, they charge him with capital murder and the alternate. So they charge him with capital murder, intentional murder in the course of committing a burglary because he used false means to to gain access right. to a place where else he wouldn't have access.
1: And then the other way. Another way is if a defendant murders more than one person during the same criminal transaction. Or during different criminal transactions, but the murders are committed pursuant to the same scheme or course of conduct. Williams was charged with both. Yeah, so they charged him with the same scheme or course of conduct, killing both
0: of the McClellans in the same day on the same act or alternately intentionally causing a death in the commission of a burglary. And so his argument was that it should have been two pieces of paper that said, do you believe beyond a reasonable doubt that Eric Lyle Williams killed two people in the same course of uh, the same course of conduct. Another piece of paper. Do you believe beyond a reasonable doubt that Eric Williams con- committed an intentional murder in the course of a burglary? What the thing said was, do you believe beyond a reasonable doubt, do you find beyond a reasonable doubt that Eric Williams either committed a murder uh, in the course of a burglary or took two lives in the same course of criminal conduct? six on one hand, half a dozen on the other. Yeah, and I think the jury was like, he did all the things. Yeah. Send him away. We do but not want him also in Also, his city. argument
1: doesn't really make sense because... Either or is the same as having two separate pieces of paper. I know. And I think it was just splitting hairs. Yeah. It was just. Yeah, for
0: sure. Having something to say. In I the have APL. a question.
1: What's up? What's the difference between capital murder and if you're just charged with, I guess, murder? So capital murder in Texas,
0: there's like 10 ways that you can be charged. This is two ways. So causing a death in the course of one of those felonies or Killing two or more people in the same criminal transaction. Okay. Also, murder for hire counts as one. There's a whole long list. There's like 10 or 11 that are capital offenses. And then otherwise, it's just
1: murder when you cause intentionally cause the death so, of another person. So killing a police officer, an elected official, doesn't necessarily immediately mean it's going to be capital murder.
0: Yeah. Under Texas law, that's a great question. And you're right. Under Texas law, a capital murder is murder of a public safety officer, which would be a police officer, firefighter, EMT, paramedic who is acting in the course of their duty and that the person knows is a police officer or another public safety officer. Another one is what we said intentionally causing it in the course of action, Mm -hmm. committing a murder for money. So or promise of money committing while you're trying to run away from a jail Committing a murder while trying to run away from jail, committing murder in jail. If you are killing someone who works for the jail, that's capital. If you're already in jail for murder and you kill somebody, that's capital murder. Wow. (laughs) You get double murder. What we said, more than one person in the course of a criminal transaction, murder of an individual under 10 years old. Oh, really? Yep. And then murder on in retaliation or on account of their service as a judge or a justice of the Supreme Court or court of criminal appeals or any number of court. But it would be in retaliation for or on account of them being a judge. So if you just kill a judge, that's not necessarily a capital
1: offense. But if you kill them because they were yeah. a judge or because they put you away or whatever, sure. that's capital murder. Okay. The children one is interesting. Yeah. I guess because they're just considered completely innocent. Yeah. Wow. Well, the trial judge and later the appeals court confirmed that the prosecutor can alternatively plead two theories of the same offense if the victim's is the same, which in this case it was. In short, Eric Williams tried to appeal under 44 different theories, and his conviction was held up under all of those claims. I have massive respect for the
0: clerk who I'm sure oh, wrote this opinion that's yeah. kind of how it works in in all courts really is that you have a judge they have their term, what are called term clerks or career clerks and their attorneys that work for the judge that go through these cases that write these opinions and then the judge goes through them and rewrites them and edits them and stuff like that but there's just so many there's just a yeah. massive amount the judge can't write them all but I it is the appeal was so well done and it's so well laid out I mean it just every single thing every single argument he had they just go in and say for these reasons no for these reasons no they wanted
1: to make sure he was put away absolutely good for them yeah when it's one of your own they I don't want to say they work less hard if it's not but I think the intention to we are not going to let anything fall through the cracks this guy is going to be put away for or in this case not put away for life they are going to take his life but nothing is going to Get this guy out, and they they
0: prosecuted him in a different city because he argued that he couldn't get a fair trial. But even those prosecutors said it's
1: personal. Yeah, oh, he sure. He killed one of us. It's personal. And Worski had said, "Killing a prosecutor is the same as killing a police officer." Oh yeah, I mean, if, it's, if when a police officer dies, the enti- all police officers, you know, it's because they're a brotherhood. They and or I guess just a personhood. Yeah, but when it's the same thing with prosecutors or elected officials, like even you who you're not an elected official but you're an attorney you still feel like this is oh, personal absolutely yeah. i'm an officer of the court i mean yeah we're, exactly we're held to a higher standard and we all go through this together and yeah. it is like it's yeah. a bond that you all share and then if something like this happens to one of you you all feel it on a personal level it really genuinely upsets me because these people like oh, i'm getting really emotional Aww. they were like killed because they were just trying to do their yeah. job yeah it's it's awful and luckily He is still currently awaiting execution at the Polinski unit of the Texas Department of Corrections. His wife, Kim, remains in prison and will be eligible for parole in 2034. Their divorce was finalized in 2018. My God, that took a while. Yeah, and they said that he tried to write her letters and stuff and said, I forgive you. Oh, such gaslighting. A, a, yeah, a woman My God.
0: wrote a book about this, and uh, she said that Kim Williams said, really? In
1: plain sight? Yeah. Yeah. And she
0: said, really? You forgive me? <laughs> you forgive me? Great. Really? Thanks. I'm serving
1: 40 years currently because... Because of your insanity. Yes. He's not
0: even insane. That's the shitty part. Is he, I don't think... I think he is just... So arrogant. He's a sociopath yeah. and a psychopath. Yeah, yeah. He, just... he. But he full well knew what he was doing. Yeah, one hundred percent on purpose. Yeah, that's, that's. And he wanted special treatment.
1: Oh yes, I think he. I, he probably to this day doesn't think that what he did was wrong. Uh-uh. He's you know he just is like well I got caught and that sucks. But he even now thinks he was still wrong.
0: Absolutely. He They had evidence of a letter he wrote to the judge when he was first being investigated for the monitor theft that said, let's like not let this get out of hands. Like, can't we just, you know, and was trying to grease the wheels and was trying to be slimy underground. And the judge said, no, I yeah. trust my DAs. I trust my prosecutors. And
1: that's what they did. They good did their them. job. And that's very admirable, even though it costs them their lives. Good for them for... Defending the law and uh, upholding your integrity. Yes, absolutely. Abe Lincoln would be proud. I think so. Well, so what do we think? I mean, I think it's pretty. It's open dog. and shut. This guy's a
0: horrible <laughs> asshole. He's, he's
1: horrible. Oh, and to this day, he says he didn't do it.
0: That's insane. Yeah, he says he said that he looked the the woman that did the book said he looked her in the eye and said, "I don't know why everybody thinks I did this. I don't know what Kim's talking about. I didn't do it." Did she ask him, well, how are your prints on this car? And, and he just like deflects and stuff. She said he was pretty pleasant to talk to and that he, you know, he was kind of even joking around a little bit. But there's a picture of him and I th- we'll try to post it on the Instagram of him sitting in the jailhouse, leaning to the side with the phone in his hand. And he just has this fu- sh- fucking smug, smug look fuck.
1: on his face, man. I'm not pro death penalty. I honestly think he would be more miserable spending the rest of his life in prison so if you just kept... I mean, it would cost a lot of money, but his life, I think, I think would be shittier. Not to get on because the Because he would be having to deal with it. I do
0: think it's more expensive to execute people than it is to keep them in prison. Oh, yeah? I
1: think so. Well, even more reason to maybe not execute him, just keep him in jail and have him his smug little potato head sitting in that cell thinking about what he did every day mm-hmm. and how he's not guilty. Well,
0: we have some upcoming live shows. We have two live shows at Dallas Comedy Festival, one on Thursday, March 28th at 7 p.m. with tickets still available and it has a Q&A and a meet and greet afterwards. It'll be held at Deep Marco. And if you were lucky enough to get tickets to our March 30th show on Saturday at 6 p.m., it is actually sold out. But we will be performing on March 30th at 9 p.m. with The Cult. So if you already have tickets to see the live show on Saturday, stick around. Watch The Cult. Hang out with us. Uh, DCF Saturday night is probably the funnest of all Ooh. the nights. Every night is pretty fun. But DCF Saturday night. when It's calls- also
1: going to be extra lit because it is the last night of shows. In that current theater. Yes. We are moving, Dallas Comedy House is moving to a new space, and Saturday night of the festival is the last night of shows. So I know. it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time, lots of partying. So if you want to check out tickets, you can go to sinisterhood.com
0: slash live and find links to all of those tickets. Yes. We want to
1: give a shout out to the A V Club Yes. who gave us a very nice write-up and mention In an article today of the top 15 podcast episodes you should listen to for the week, the Momo Challenge was on there, so thank you so much for that. Much appreciated. Yes. A lot of you guys have asked if we have a Patreon where you can donate to the show. We
0: do. The show will always remain free, but if you do want to donate to help offset the cost of making and hosting it, you can visit patreon.com forward slash Sinisterhood. You get some sweet perks like patron-exclusive content, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group, and a
1: special shout-out on the show. Speaking of which... Yes. We have some new Patreons we want to shout out. Thank you so much to Denisha Davis, Emily McGregor... Jessica Catron, Morgan Wilbarger, Gabrielle Wares, Emma Bales, and Ash Wegner. One of the best things you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps small podcasts like us get more exposure.
0: You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod, and like us on Facebook at
1: Sinisterhood. Christy, where are you on on the Internet? I am on Twitter at Christy or GTFO and on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. Heather, you get all my hot takes on Twitter at
0: MCK versus the world, MCK vs. the world or On Instagram, you check out my great dog content. It's all Buffy and the Goose. There's
1: been some real good dog (laughs) content lately. At Heather. And you went to Pink last night. I did. I went to the Pink concert. So you got some good video of that, too. Yeah, you just
0: you basically get to see the weird things I do in my life. I think those are great. No gun show content because you are not allowed to take videos at the gun show. That does not surprise me. Here in my future stand-up set, me talk about going to the gun show. (laughs) So Heather vs. the world on Instagram. As always, the
1: devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sinister